Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cloud Wars Live. This is the podcast where we're digging into the digital revolution, and we're excited today to be doing this uh, this event. I'll call it live, but it's not really live by the time you see it. From the Community Summit North America in Charlotte, North Carolina, it's the largest independent gathering of Microsoft applications professionals in the world. One of the attendees there is our good friend, Wayne Satan, who's been with us here at Cloud Wars Live as a monthly guest for four years. Wayne is now not only a big brain in the business overall as he has been, but he's also the CIO of PriceSmart. So Wayne's got some interesting uh, angles to look at it from that. Wayne, great to see you. Great to be here. It's always good to be at this show. I got to say, Bob, before I knew you, before I knew Acceleration Economy, I was paying my customers money, my employers money, and even my own money once to come to the show to learn about the Microsoft ecosystem. So now it's great to be here as part of the family. <laughs> Wayne, well said. Well said. And Wayne, so it's interesting. You've got sort of the new full time CEO gig at Price Smart. And you're here now. This is actually the opening day or the, the pre event day here of the AI Summit. And Wayne was uh, a panelist this morning on a pretty lively discussion about all sorts of things. So I thought today, Wayne, if it's okay with you, let's talk a little bit about some of the highlights from the panel. And overall, we'll just Look at your perspectives as a full-time CIO from a very interesting business, as well as your background and all the things you've seen. What's the sort of frame of mind about AI? Now, I want to get into that, but tell us, what did you talk about on the panel today, and was there anything that surprised you? Well, the first thing wasn't a surprise, but it was kind of exciting that the big ballroom down there was completely full of people who wanted to hear about AI. And I sat and talked to people before we got on stage. We kind of sat, I kind of sat down at a table. What are you doing with AI? Why are you here? And they didn't know I was a panelist. And uh, lots of different reasons. I'm here because I, I'm afraid of it. I'm here because I want to know about it. I'm here because we're doing it. I'm here because my company sells a product and we'd be happy to show it to you. So the interest level in AI is very high. The knowledge level varies. And the fear is very strong. Yeah. That's my observation from the crowd. Yeah. And Wayne, you know, that uh, understandable in some ways, I think the the media, whether it's weather or anything else, loves to latch onto things and always sort of turn it into the what is the worst possible outcome. And, you know, for a long time, this whole thing with AI has been uh, here come the robots and, you know, humanity's done and so on. And uh, I, I can understand why a lot of people are afraid of this, especially because all of a sudden now, when you finally hear about AI in the real world, people have been said, oh, it's this thing that creates its own articles, it creates its own videos, it creates its own text, it can simulate, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there's an endless number of things. But on the flip side of that, Wayne, the reality is that it is changing how businesses operate at a pretty fundamental level. So I wanted to toss out a broad idea to you. I have this, you know, vague idea that there's a spectrum of of uh, how leaders in businesses view AI. You can be anywhere from AI aware to AI committed, interested in other things or somewhere in the middle. I, I believe that if companies don't get into at least the interested part tilting rapidly toward committed, they're going to they're gonna be at a tremendous competitive disadvantage. I'd love to hear what you think. Sure, you know, having the perspective of having been through many transitions in my 40-year career, 
I'll remind you that we went through the same kind of discussion when mini computers came out. Yeah. And then when local area networks came out, I mean, netware is going to change the world. And then it was the internet. I, I was saying to the, on the panel, in the late 90s, I had a senior vice president of internet when I was the CIO of a bank. And that person had a marketing and evangelism job. Half the time his job was to tell IT what the heck the internet was, because we didn't know. And the other half was to tell the business. That job was a self-limiting job. Two years, three years later, the internet just became how we sell, how we talk to customers. Same thing with big data. And now we're seeing it again. And we had the little metaverse blip, yeah. which kind of sunk without a trace for a while. But, but so I think the answer is that this is the natural evolution, the creative destruction mm -hmm. um, that we see all the time in technology applied to business. I think the difference is we used to automate the factories, the truck drivers, the warehouse, the blue collar work. Uh -huh. Now we're starting to touch the fifth estate. Yes. People that write articles are starting yes. to worry about their jobs. Broadcasters, actors, actresses. These folks are starting to worry about them. Do I have a livelihood here? Or is the AI going to write a better article than I can write? Now the people who, what do they say, by ink, by the barrel, are starting to feel threatened. And so yeah. we're seeing the you and cry. So I got to say, I think given what's been going on in AI over the years, as Microsoft built it into their tools, as other companies built it into their tools, AI has been around a lot more pervasively than most senior executives realize. It's just got better, worse, bigger press now with ChatGPT and the fact that the thing talks to you yeah. and draws pictures. But we've been using AI to optimize transportation management, network planning. Uh, the telecom industry is based on AI routing. And so it's all over the place but it was buried in the bowels of a system, replacing a bunch of people with green eye shades and slide rules or a bunch of bookkeepers. And now it's starting to maybe take the job of the customer service rep, uh, the person who writes the press release, the person who acts in a, in a drama. And so I think we're seeing that it's affecting a different part of society. And that might be exaggerating the implications of this small, but powerful enhancement to AI. Yeah, 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 Wayne. And um, I think, you know, the other side of this too is the speed at which the changes being driven by, propelled by, or powered by, made possible by these new waves of gen AI are coming. Uh, there's an executive at Microsoft, Charles Lamana. He's a corporate VP for business apps and uh, the, the power platform. He said that 12 months from now, he said, the primary interface with computing devices is going to be AI. And so the speed at which that happened is faster than anything. The, one of the most recent we can look at, right, is with the cloud. Uh, and it's we're 10, 12, 15 years into it, depending on how you want to judge it. And it's still, uh, you know, a, a relatively small part of IT spend. So we are accustomed to, you know, that that great list of uh, technology transformations that you talked about, but that, that they'll take, you know, a handful of years, seven years, a decade. And that's just not the case. Now, I think this is going to be blindingly fast. And so business leaders right, have to be looking at this in terms of not just uh, what is convenient for them to adapt and digest and get through it, but instead what are customers going to expect from this? And what are they going to, man, what are my competitors going to be doing? So I think that speed element of how do you change your organization to adapt to this is it's going to push CIOs into the forefront, not just of the tech side of the business, but every part of it. So I, I think this is going to drive incredible changes. 
You know, I actually think in one way, it's going to push CIOs a little bit to the back because now we've got tools that let the average subject matter expert <clears throat> code. Right. We've got the tools that let with a natural language interface, a business person describe the problem. So once the CIO develops the platform and says, here it is, and builds the guardrails and controls, we've now enabled this whole low-code, no-code, RPA, blah, 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 acronym soup of end users in the driver's seat. Yeah. Now the end users are in the driver's seat, but all of a sudden they have a chauffeur. So they're not even in the driver's seat. They're being driven around by the conversational AI. And so cracking the natural language barrier and having a tool that will talk to you and understand you, air quotes here, right. understand you, at least be able to turn what you said into some output, changes the paradigm. So now people that were hindered by typing with one finger, dyslexic people, people yeah. with various uh, disabilities are now much more plugged into the world. Yeah. And so I think there's going to be a huge change because we've solved an interface problem. You know, when cell phones came out, who, we all thought, who's going to go to that little thing and type with their thumbs? Remember when the never happened. came out? Never happened. And it didn't take off as fast as this is taking off because we didn't have people as primed for it. Yeah. But it was a new way of interface. You didn't have to get locked in. I remember you had to walk down the hall to the terminal room to type stuff in. <laughs> Even in the IBM profs and, and Lotus Notes days, yeah. everybody didn't have a machine on their desk. Yeah. And now we have a machine in our pocket and a machine in our car and a couple of machines on our desk and machines built into our toasters and our light bulbs. And so they're all starting to talk to each other and we're starting to talk to them. And Wait, that again, helps. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I want to jump in one other stat on that. This, uh, the Microsoft executive I mentioned a couple minutes ago, Charles Lamana, he said that at Microsoft now, he said there are, uh, there are three RPAs for every employee. So um, a three to one ratio, at least at Microsoft, where they've got some pretty technical people of robots to people. And he said, I suspect that will only go up. So not that every company is going to be like that, but there is a uh, an indicator of, you know, as you said, this is going to be just so pervasive. Wayne, I wanted to, uh, two, two other things I wanted to get to with you. One is I, the I, I, irony of this or the arrogance of this. Is you're the real CEO, but I'm going to push back and say, I don't think it's going to push the CEOs into the background, as you described. I think in that one instance it will, but I think the best CEOs are going to right jump onto other things and say, "All right, where else is there a chance for me to develop something that dramatically changes the type of business uh, capabilities that we have here?" So, um, the CIOs will face a very different set of opportunities and responsibilities. Is that sure? Fair? I think that's, but the, I think that's true constantly. I've been yeah. a CIO now for forty-two years, almost yeah. forty-three, and there's always another challenge. Yeah. We're, we're never sure what it's going to be. And when I say push the CIO in the background, I think that's a good thing. Okay. In my whole career, what I focused on is telling the business where we have very few IT projects at most companies. They don't benefit me one bit. To put in a new retailing system or a new accounting system, they benefit the business, which means they benefit either the employees or the customers and then the shareholders. It's business transformation with IT assisting. And if you think of it that way, the more I can get the business to be able to do things, enable them to move faster, the more I'm doing my job by stepping out of the middle of everything. Right. So my job is to almost talk myself out of a job, work myself out of a job and be there in the sidelines, cheering them on and giving them the right tools. Yeah. And so I think that's a very good thing. Right. And we will focus, you're right, on the next level of problem. Like I work for I'm a CIO of Pricemart, a retailing company. 
We operate in 13 countries. We have $4.3 billion in sales. And because of the complexity of our business model, we've just bought a tool. I can be announced it publicly so I can talk about it. We, we signed up with a company called Relex Solutions that uses an AI and ML-based model to forecast demand. What is the demand going to be for macaroni and cheese in that club in that month, given that there's a four-month lead time? How do I get it there as efficiently as possible? How do I handle holiday merchandise? How do I handle a discontinued item that I want to be selling? What price do I have to sell to clear the shelves? How do we use tools to replace an army of people with spreadsheets and, and clipboards and telephones doing what's called replenishment, a standard retailing problem, and yet a problem that's normally solved by throwing more people at it and good databases and lots of Excel. And now there are a number of companies out there in the world. The one we picked is good at groceries, but makes a point of their algorithms plus their ever-enhancing AI and ML capability. And that's transformational for yeah. retailers. If I can reduce out of stock, if I can improve my handling of goods so I don't touch it three times, all of a sudden the margins get a lot better in the retailing business. And there's there's a place where I don't have to be an AI ML expert. Mm -hmm. We just have to know that the forecast uh, pans out when we test it. How they do it is not that important to me as the CIO. That they're doing it better is what I care about. So I'll, I'll comment to a lot of the listeners about AI and ML. If you're writing software, if you're a tech company, learn all the innards of it. If you're not, be asking your vendors, is this AI washing? Are we just yeah. putting AI terms because it's cool and sells more product? Or do we really have a fundamental use of the technology to drive real innovation? Yeah, yeah. So Wayne, one other thing that I want to check with you on about this is, I think there's a there's a cultural uh, challenge here, right? Because you know, I saw this one example that there could be as many as uh, 30 million job descriptions written in the U.S. Thinking in a single year. Cut this soon. We're not yet. All right. Sorry about that. Until, until we know she's closed the door, I think you should just keep running, Bob. <clears throat> Come back later, please. <clears throat> Most persistent. Uh, anyway, thank you to the dear editors for uh, cutting that. I'll go back to the question I was going to ask Wayne. Wayne, one other question I wanted to ask you about here with regard to uh, you know the role that executives need to play with this. Uh, I, I think that there's right. Let me let me toss out one anecdote first. Uh, uh, at Workday, their expectation is that in the United States. This year, uh, there will be 30 million job descriptions written. Each job description takes somebody about 90 minutes to write. That's all going to be automated, right? So there's 45 million hours. And that's one little piece of one function in one department. So I think if you'd say, what if we could automate everything that, you know, that is not uh, essential, that can be automated and should be automated? You know, is it 500 million, 700, you know, it's there. Uh, we're talking about a billion liberated hours. So the cultures of companies, I think, are going to change as this arises. So you've been in lots of different industries, played significant leadership roles across those. What do you think CEOs should be doing right now to help the people in their company and their customers sort of 
adapt to these changes and especially inside the company, build the culture that's going to be most beneficial for, as you said, help my people and my company do their jobs better, be more successful, dazzle their customers and make shareholders happy? Well, it's about building a culture of innovation. Companies have to understand that they can't stand still because if they stand still, their competitors aren't standing still. Yeah. And new market entrants, people who never dreamed about entering the business until some technology enabled it, Airbnb, uh, Amazon, you know, all these disruptive technologies, the incumbents could have gone fine without these upstarts, but something came from the outside based on a new legislation or a new economics or a new social value, and you got to be prepared. So companies have got to be ready to move faster, to change faster whether it's taking administrative and clerical roles and rethinking them and turning people into knowledge engineers. By the way, telling me that AI is going to write all the job descriptions means we're going to have a whole lot of wrong job descriptions. Because <laughs> if you look at the look, look at how many job, I, CIO job descriptions often say must be fluent in Microsoft Excel and Word. <laughs> like, really, folks? Or, or they're written so badly that they make me laugh. So just taking all the job descriptions that have ever been written, feeding them into a large language model and saying, now write ones, you're going to get very fast junk. <laughs> so I'm going to just say, I'm not as sanguine as maybe the workday people are about the number of clean job descriptions, yeah. useful job descriptions, yeah. but it will get better. Yeah, and, and that goes for everything from customer service to court reporting to writing press releases. A lot of these jobs are going to change. Again, in my company, it's the people who are replenishing. And replenishing just means... I ran out, I'm going to run out of something, buy more. Now, what does that mean happens in a retailer? Yeah. We can spend more time going and finding really cool products. We can find time making sure the products are better and safer and cheaper and meet the needs of our members. We can go out and talk to the people who shop with us yeah. instead of filling out spreadsheets in a dark office. And so what this does is liberates people from the clerical chores. And I think companies ought to recognize that technology, not just AI, but technology, will eliminate more and more routine, low-thought jobs and high-muscle or high-danger jobs, warehouse jobs, loading ships jobs, construction jobs. we got to accept that it's going to change. And then how do we redeploy our human resources, our people, some of who've been with us 20, 30, 40 years, and let them be the drivers of the process yeah. instead of being enslaved by the process? Yeah. So think about that. I can operate the process, swivel chair interface, Go to the old green screen, type it in over here, or I can be the one that says to the AI tool, here's what's on the green screen and here's what I need it to be. Make it so. Yeah. Now we can train those people to do that job because it's with better tools. And we're talking about things like automation anywhere and some of the tools they've developed, certainly Microsoft with their co-pilot tools that empowers people who have the knowledge locked in their brain to now use a voice interface, a spoken interface or a written interface to turn that into process knowledge. And so I think companies have got to, from the CEO on down, be thinking about how to tap that labor force, how to tap their passion, their experience, and their knowledge, and get them out of the drudgery and into higher value occupations. Yeah, yeah. Wayne, I think that's a perfect way to put it. And I think, folks, I think Wayne's big uh, emphasis here on unleash, unleash the power and potential and capability of the folks in your organization, I think that's really where the big, big payoff from A is going to come. And I think Wayne, again, of course, is right. You know, the um, AI is not the uh, omniscient 
thing that know, knows everything. So if they and, you know, we feed in a bad job description, it'll automate a bad job description. But it'll, it'll automate 10 bad job descriptions. <laughs> That's the power of AI. <laughs> Very true. So not to solution to everything, Wayne, but a pretty cool jump forward. It's going to take the combination people plus technology to get it right to augment the power of uh, human beings. Well, Wayne, it's a pleasure to uh, have a chance to chat with you live here and here at the uh, Community Summit North America on the AI Summit Day in Charlotte. Thanks so much, Wayne, and best of luck with the, the new gig at PriceSmart. It sounds fantastic. Thank you, Bob. It really is. It's a wonderful place to be and wonderful problems to solve, and I'm having a great time. Thank you. Good deal. Thanks, Wayne. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. We hope to see you next time. Until then, make good use of that AI.